Father, we, we lift up the rest of this worship service to you. Lord, everything we say and do, the songs that we sing, the prayers that we pray, the offerings that we bring, we want to bring glory and honor to you. We want them to be pleasing in your sight, and so we pray that you would do that. And now, Father, we turn to your word because we want to hear you speak. We know that you have the words of eternal life, and so we ask now that you speak to us wherever we're at in our homes or wherever we're listening to this, Lord, that you would meet us here and that you would speak to us powerfully and clearly, and that anything that may distract us from hearing what you have to say, you would remove. Any anxieties or fears that we have, any frustrations we may have, Lord, remove them so that we can have a peace of heart and mind and hear what you have to say. So, Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to respond to what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, it's our last sermon, our last message in this series going through Isaiah 53. So you can open up your Bibles at home to Isaiah chapter 53, and we will read the whole chapter again. But for the sermon this morning, we'll be looking at just the very last verse, verse 12. Isaiah 53, written by the prophet Isaiah about six or seven hundred years before Jesus was born, prophesying the Messiah that would be to come. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. 
For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Well, we don't like to suffer. The reality is, nobody likes to suffer. But we do live in a culture here in the United States, in particular, we are averse to any form of suffering. We're not used to it. And when suffering does come our way, we kind of try to push it off to the side, just out of our view, so we don't have to look at it. We try to ignore suffering by just entertaining ourselves to death, so we don't have to think about it. We try to ignore suffering sometimes by just dressing it up and putting makeup on it and trying to make it so it doesn't look like suffering. Sometimes we just try to push on past suffering simply by positive thinking. The reality is we're just not used to suffering because we're pretty comfortable. We're averse to suffering because we're comfortable. I mean, even in the midst of this pandemic, when so many things have been taken away from us, and it's very difficult for some of us, we're still comfortable, especially compared to the rest of the world. We can, we can still go out to grocery stores, and even though the grocery stores have shelves that are much emptier than we're used to, they're still more stocked than most of the world's grocery stores. We can still find food when we need it. We don't have to go to the grocery store and worry about finding food. We just can't always find the food that we want to find. We're comfortable and we're not used to suffering. And that can affect the way we celebrate Easter Sunday. Because we don't like to talk about suffering, and so when it comes to Easter Sunday, we want to head right to the good stuff. We want to skip all of that negative stuff about the cross, and we just want to focus on the resurrection. We want to focus on the good news, and we want to just kind of skip on by the cross. But we can't do that. We can't do that as a Christian. We cannot skip the cross to get to the resurrection. The Bible repeatedly tells us you have to go through the cross in order to get to the resurrection. And as we head to the resurrection through the cross, what we realize is that suffering is not defeat for the Christian. Suffering is not defeat for the Christian. But for the Christian, suffering is a path to victory. And that's what Isaiah 53 continues to remind us over and over and over. It will not let us forget it. Every week we come to this chapter, it reminds us that suffering is not defeat. Every verse in this chapter, it reminds us that suffering is not defeat. In our verse 12, it says again, Jesus poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. It won't let us forget that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Every single verse of this chapter brings us back to that point over and over and over again that Jesus Christ laid down His life for the forgiveness of our sins and that He died a disgraceful death numbered as a sinner and that on the outside, as everyone looked at Jesus' suffering and death, on the outside it looked like defeat. Those who killed him and crucified him looked at him hanging on the cross and said, We won. He's been defeated. He's nothing but a disgraceful sinner. But when we celebrate Easter, we're reminded that his death was not defeat. 
we're reminded that his death led to the salvation of many. And so in verse 12, again, it reminds us, he bore the sin of many. And he made intercession or prayers for the transgressors. See, Jesus' death was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And and on the cross, he carried our sin and our sorrow. And now he's praying for us sinners. He's in the presence of God, praying for sinners as, as our advocate, praying on our behalf. And as we've repeatedly mentioned throughout this passage, throughout this series, because we just need to keep on being reminded of it, We receive this gift of salvation in Jesus Christ by putting our faith and trust in Him for our salvation. Trusting in Him alone, having faith in Him alone for our salvation. That's how we receive this gift. We cannot trust in our own power, our own ability, our own works, because none of that's going to save us. The only way we can receive salvation, the only way we can receive the benefits of Christ's death and resurrection is by looking to Him in faith and trust alone for our salvation. Then we receive forgiveness of sins. And then we receive Christ's righteousness. That's why we can't skip the cross on the way to the resurrection. Because it was through His death, through Christ's death on the cross, that Jesus conquered and, and was victorious. It was through suffering that Jesus was exalted. And there's a couple of passages in Scripture that are really beautiful that emphasize this point. One comes from Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, Jesus too shared in our humanity so that by His death He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. See, by his death, Jesus defeated death. By his death, Jesus defeated sin. By his death, he defeated Satan. And then he freed us from being enslaved to our fear of death. So because Jesus died on the cross, we no longer have to live our lives afraid that we're going to die. We no longer have to be enslaved by our fear of death because Jesus conquered it. He's victorious over death. He's victorious over sin, victorious over Satan. They are defeated foes and he is victorious. Colossians 2 says something similar, 2, 14 and 15 says, Jesus, having canceled the charge of our legal debt, which stood against us and condemned us, He's taken away our debt, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. See, as we've spoken about throughout this series, our sin causes us to be in debt to God. And and it says Jesus took that debt and He nailed it to the cross so that that debt would be forgiven. And that through His death, He took away all the weapons of all of our enemies. He completely disarmed them and is victorious over them. And He triumphed over them, the passage says, by the cross. By the suffering leading up to the cross and by the cross. And so He achieved victory. And not only did Jesus achieve victory, victory but after he won he did a little touchdown dance in the end zone 
He, it says he, he took all these people that he defeated, all, the, all of these defeated foes, sin and death and Satan, and he made a public spectacle of them. He, he paraded them around through the streets so that everyone would know that sin and death and Satan have been defeated. And he defeated them through the cross. Because Jesus' suffering was not defeat. But he achieved victory through his suffering. And then his resurrection from the dead that we celebrate this morning was God's great amen to everything that Jesus did. It's a great amen to Jesus' victory over sin and death and Satan. And that's what our verse again says in Isaiah 53, verse 12. At the beginning it says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great and will divide the spoils with the strong. One of the beautiful aspects of this passage is that we've been going through 11 verses leading up to this and it's all been in the third person speaking about Jesus. He will be this. He will do that. He will do this. And now it switches to the first person and now we have God the Father Himself speaking about the Son. And He looks down at Jesus the Son and He says, Because He poured out His life unto death, I will make Him a great, victorious conquering king. I'll give him a portion among the great. Philippians says something similar. It says, therefore, God exalted him because Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of his death, because of his suffering, he's been exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords, victorious. But this passage is really hard to to translate. And all of the commentators that I read this week talked about how it's a difficult passage to translate. And actually all of them said that they would prefer a different translation than what the NIV has. One commentator recommended this translation. The father said to the son, I will apportion to him the many. And the strong he will apportion as his spoil. And what it's doing, it's answering the question, okay, Jesus is this victorious king. He conquered sin and death and Satan. So what did he win in his victory? It says he won for himself the many. A people saved for himself. He, He won for himself the family of God. That through his victory, Jesus won a people who were saved and drawn to him by faith. They were redeemed, their sins were forgiven, and they were given His righteousness. And now they are His people, adopted into His family. And now we are His. I mean, the prize that Jesus won through His life, death, and resurrection was the church. And if you're part of the church, it was you. You're part of that victory. He, he purchased you with His blood. He adopted you into His family. That was His Victory. And Scripture repeatedly tells us how powerful that truth is in the midst of whatever storm and trial and situation we find ourselves in. When we, be- when we recognize that we belong to Jesus and that He is our Savior, that leads us through any trial and storm of this life. 
In Romans chapter 14, Paul says this, If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. For that very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that He might be Lord both of the living and the dead. He says that's why Jesus lived and died and rose again from the life, so that, that we would belong to Him. And so that he would, we would belong to Him in life and in death. And so, if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. We don't have to fear death as a Christian because Christ has conquered it. That's what we celebrate this morning. Christ's victory over death. He conquered sin and death and Satan and now He's brought us into His family and said, you are mine and I've got you and I'll protect you and nothing will happen to you apart from my hand. So, let's live and die because we belong to Jesus and He is ours. And then we see suffering differently when we really understand that we belong to Jesus. And that He's got us in His hand and we are part of His family. We no longer see suffering as defeat. Because suffering and death no longer have any power over us because Jesus defeated them. And He's paraded them around in His victory. And so Paul has this beautiful passage in Romans 8. He says, who's going to separate us now from Christ's love? Will trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Suffering has no power over us. Death has no power over us. It says, this passage, we are more than conquerors because our Savior has conquered them all. He's conquered all sin and suffering and death and Satan. He is more than a conqueror, and so He makes us more than conquerors in the midst of our own trials. And now we are His people, and nothing has the power to remove us from His hand. Nothing in all creation can remove us from His hand, not even death. Because you see, for the Christian, death is not defeat. Death doesn't even bring a separation between us and our Savior Jesus Christ. Actually, death brings us more fully into the presence of Jesus Christ. Death isn't defeat for us. Death actually is the fulfillment of our salvation, or it's actually on the road to the full fulfillment of our salvation. And so we can cry out, as they do in 1 Corinthians 15, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
death has no victory over us. It's been conquered. Sin has been defeated. Satan has been chained up and locked in a pit. Jesus has taken all these defeated foes, paraded them around the streets, showing everyone that they've been conquered. And then with us following in trail, His prized possession, His church celebrating and worshiping, His conquering over sin and death and Satan. That's what we're doing this morning. We are praising our conquering King for delivering us from sin and death and Satan. And we do that every single week, praising and worshiping Jesus as He parades these defeated foes around throughout for the world to see. And we're reminded that we are His people and He is our Savior. But that doesn't mean that we'll never struggle or suffer in this life. And I know many of you know that. I know many of you have your own struggles and sufferings, trials. Right now, many of you are in the midst of your own trial and struggle. Not even necessarily because of the coronavirus. Some of you are just are suffering because of the, the, the results from having to shut things down. You, you've lost your jobs or you're suffering because you're... You're isolated and alone. Some of you know friends and family members, though, who have gotten it and have struggled with their health because of it. But a number of you were suffering and in trial before this all happened. You had your own health issues. You had your own financial struggles. You had your own family issues. We're going to have trials. We are going to have suffering and struggle in this world. But what Christ teaches us on Easter Sunday through His resurrection from the dead is that that suffering in our lives is not defeat. That suffering will not have victory. That suffering is our path to victory through Jesus Christ. In the midst of our suffering, through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we will find victory because Jesus will give us the victory. That's what he told his disciples as he was about to leave the earth. It's what he told the disciples right before he died on the cross. He, he looked at his disciples in John 16 and said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus tells us we will have trouble in this world. We will find ourselves in the midst of suffering at times. But Jesus said in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our difficulty, we can have peace. In the midst of all of those things, we can not only have peace, but we can have courage. We can, we can take heart. Our souls can be firmed up and we can walk in boldness and courage and faith because Christ has overcome the world. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. He's defeated sin and death and Satan and suffering. And He did all of that so He could take you as part of His people and make you His own and hold on to you to the very end of this age. And no power in heaven or hell can pull you out of His grasp. Nothing can ever separate you from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, our resurrected Lord. So in the midst of this trial that we're in right now, or in the midst of any future trial that you may encounter, you can have peace. 
Because we have a Savior who's overcome the world. You can take heart and you can have faith and courage and boldness because we have a Savior who has defeated sin and death and Satan. And we can walk by faith and we can walk in courage and boldness and peace, trusting that our Savior Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, again on this Easter Sunday, especially on this Easter Sunday, as as it doesn't feel right, it's different than normal, Lord, impress these truths deep down upon our hearts. Lord, drive it deep within us that you are our God and we are your people and that you have overcome the world. So we don't need to fear. We don't need to be slaves of fear of death or suffering. We don't need to be slaves of fear of sin because you've defeated them all and you've called us to be your own. Father, help us walk in that peace. Help us walk in that boldness and courage and faith. Whatever situation comes our way, help us live to you, help us die to you. Father, we do pray for any who are watching this who don't know you and aren't part of your people and haven't understood or experienced your salvation, Lord, open their hearts to receive you. Help them look to you in faith and receive forgiveness for their sins, receive the righteousness that you have to offer, and then grant them the peace and comfort and courage that only you can give. And may this Easter be a time where you call many, many people to yourselves, yourself. Father, we thank you for the suffering that you did for us. But we thank you even more for conquering sin and death and for your resurrection. Help us keep our eyes on you as we follow you each day. And may we glorify you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And all God's people said, Amen.